You're listening to the Thoroughbred Podcast, an elite business leadership podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the Thoroughbred Podcast. I'm super, super excited for today to bring you uh, just someone that's very, very special as a person, uh, let alone uh, what a great leader he is, um, what a great mentor he is, but just very special as a person. Um, I was fortunate enough to meet Dustin. Uh, Where did we meet the first time? I don't know. You have that. uh, It was such a special moment. We don't remember. (laughs) No, I I think one of the things that's magic, we were passing at an event and um, what I love about you is that you are a connector. Like I think you just, you came up after we had a little little break in session and um, you know, you asked a question and we just got deep real quick and there was just an instant connection and you're just a curious person and full of love. And, you know, I think we got into it right away and, and just started really, you know, going deep on the, on the, on the session and really, uh, really kind of unpacking things. And I really enjoyed that. And from then on, I think it's just every time we get together, it's just a lot of fun. And, you know, it's always a, it's always a special time, but yeah, we were at an event and you know, like you walked up, we just started talking and we were like, let's get to it. You know, well, no you know, when, when we start this, and I haven't even done the introduction yet, we're already going deeper, but um, you know, it's funny because we go to these conferences, we meet hundreds, maybe thousands of people sometimes and, and you have connections right away with certain people, right? And I think that's really what happened with you and I. Um, you know, of all of the people there, we connected. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's continued to flourish. And it's a blessing, really. You know, I mean, to, to know your wife and, and your children. And it's just, uh, it's a special thing. So mm-hmm. I, I'm grateful for that. But let's introduce you. We, we've got some technical difficulties, but that's all good. That's how we roll. Um, but going back, you know, Dustin Oldfather is joining us today. I guess let's just jump right in right there and tell everyone who you are. Dustin Oldfather, uh, a beautiful man, a beautiful father, uh, a beautiful husband, and, and pretty good realtor also. And Dustin's from coastal Delaware. And uh, so just really happy to have you with us today. I want to thank you for taking your time. I know you're busy. And uh, let's, uh, let's just dive right in and just thank you for being who you are. And that's kind of where I wanted to start with is, is who are you? Who is Dustin? And, and how do you go from being a realtor to this magnificent leader of, of your team and of people? Wow, that's incredibly generous. Thank you for that, John. Uh, you know, I think for me, the, the real breakthrough um, on a really deep level happened a, uh, a couple years ago when I just when I really defined what my life was going to be about and there were three things that were incredibly important to me being a good father being a, a great husband and you know being a great business leader and they're in that order and so when I finally came to terms with that purpose and that you know purpose gets thrown around an awful lot but when I finally came to that and I articulated it, you know, in writing and then, you know, and kind of it sound, to sound corny, but kind of wrote it on my heart, um, everything really uh, aligned in, in life and in my world because I'm always shifting. I'm always shifting to, to, of those three priorities in my life, which one of the priorities am I at right now that's going to serve all three of those to the best purpose? And so... Once that part of my, uh, my operating system got fixed and got aligned, everything else has, has been pretty linear. And so the, the decisions in life are pretty clear and it's very easy to navigate growth. It's really easy to navigate the decisions that you make. Not to say that there isn't adversity and struggle, but 
but saying, hey, what am I all about? What do I want to do? Maybe, you know, it's interesting because I was talking to a, um, a broker owner this past week of another franchise in another market. And he said, uh, you know, they were kind of lamenting, they'd actually contracted and kind of lamenting the management aspect of what they do. Um, and, and really focusing more on individual production, kind of going back to that smaller, um, you know, nuclear production from the broker owners and partners in the business so they could just make more money. And that's totally cool. And, I, and for me, I said, that's great. Um, you know, kind of, and you've maybe been through some similar experiences, but a few years back, I had uh, appendicitis and it really threw me for a loop because I said, hey, I haven't built a business that can support my right. daughter, support my wife if something happens to me. So going back to those, you know, those, those three core purposes for me, having a larger team and having a better infrastructure that, you know, God forbid something were to happen to me. And you, we kind of talked about our fitness and how important that is and made that a part of my life. And we kind of, you know, we can kind of go back and just say physically how much, you know, how much I've evolved because of those decisions. So those, and Hey, if, look, if I don't take care of myself physically better, like, Hey, maybe we have a robust business, but, on the other side, I'm not in a great physical shape or having high energy to be with my daughter when I get home. Well, then I can't live that purpose of being a great father. So they all go together. Um, and so uh, that's been the, the evolution for me is just, you know, getting all those things in alignment and, you know, kind of speaking to the other broker owner, but they're doing what works best for them. They didn't want to be working through all the management because their purpose is about, you know, right, max income. That's totally cool. Um, it's about having, you know, a moderated income, but at the same time having the stability to take care of everybody and then to let the people that we work with really express themselves. You know, we're really, really committed to excellence. And, and uh, that also sounds a little corny and cliche, but we have great people and great people want to be around other great people. In order to do that, you have to have an integrated approach and everybody kind of on the same page and pulling in the same direction. Well, and, and we talk about, you know, like choices that we have to make. Right. And so when, you know, backing up to when you said, when I wrote it down on paper and I really made the choice, because I think right now there's so many people that and are just going and going and going and going and going and really, you know, what is the purpose of it? And, and I'm in the same position, right? I mean, same thing happened to me, appendicitis, laid up, car accident, laid up. And how does something sustain when we are forced to step away? Because, you know, I always tell people, like, we have a lot, you know, a team of people working together. And they're not there mm -hmm. so that I can go on vacation all year long, right? I mean, they're there to support, not to just do it all for us. Uh, but mm -hmm. when things happen, we have to have, uh, I think, something built in a place that it can sustain itself. And I think that takes obviously great people around us. Tell us a little bit about the makeup of your business. So you're, you're essentially playing what role are you still selling and who is kind of operating the business or is that still your role? Uh, yeah, I mean, so, I, you know, in the same, kind of in the same vein, you know, I found that there are three core functions for me and there are obviously some periphery functions. Um, one is lead and, and leadership is a very fuzzy thing. Um, but leadership is, you know, is, you know, is embodying your values and, and showing people in action, uh, you know, and also encouraging and helping to bring out the best in others. That's helping to shape the processes and the systems and then, um, you know, help to meld the personalities. Uh, you have to be a part of things in order to be, you know, in order to be able to influence. And um, you have to, you know, kind of come at that with uh, you know, with uh, gentleness and, and uh, thoughtfulness. And so leadership is, is the, 
you know, it was probably the, the first role, just, you know, being in meetings and kind of helping to shape things and to bring people to the, the, the vision and, and, uh, and serving others. And how can we, how can we have the most impact and serve, uh, you know, the market the, the best we can and to, uh, and to really impact lives. And that, you know, like I said, that some of these things come off corny or, or business cliche, but we're incredibly high service relative to the majority of the industry because we really want to make a difference. We want to make sure people get the most money when they sell. We want to make sure they have a great experience because we want to sustain too. And if we're not doing great work and we're just turning transactions, you know, who wants to do that? Who wants to just get in and just turn a bunch of transactions and have a bunch of angry people? We want to make a difference. And I know you're wired the same way. Transactions don't equal relationships. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the beauty. Like I was just on the phone with a past client that, uh, you know, I mean, we're talking going back seven years and we still have the sustained friendship, even though now they've moved out of the state. And so I think that's a great point. Transactions don't equal relationships. So we have to be much better from a service standpoint in that regard. But you mentioned the word vision, right? So what is your vision for your business? Yeah, you know, our vision is to serve, um, you know, at a high level and throughout our, our region. Um, it's going to be a multi-market. Uh, it's a multi-market vision. And what goes behind that goes back to, you know, the, the, the three core purposes and, and in a vision for our, our business. And that is, how can we attract and keep the best people and give the great service? Right. And so part of that is to, in order to be able to grow salaries, is you have to, to serve on a, on a bigger level. And so for us, uh, you know, I see us as a regional uh, as a regional team uh, with multiple financial services with a core in real estate, uh, you know, mortgage and insurance is, is peripheries and, uh, you know, taking care of as many people with a, at a, you know, extremely high level of service, um, you know, but there's not a number on it per se. Uh, you know, we've done hundred percent growth years. We, I like the 50% growth year, but now that we've gotten over a hundred million, you know, we went to we have about a 25% growth year. And so that, you know, you could kind of, those metrics, they're important barometers of what's happening. But at the end of the day, where I'm more focused is how can we continue to refine this process? How can we continue to systematize um, operational excellence and operate an excellent service so that people are having a great experience? And if we give great service, then all of the, everything else kind of takes care of itself. Um, and so kind of, there's a, there's a, a kind of a, a expansion compression that happens. I think, you know, I can say, and you know, openly that you and I have talked and maybe you've been through some of those things as well. Um, and that's just part of the process. And so the vision is, is to be throughout the region, to be throughout the state and in Ocean City, but just folks here on the coast um, with our cooperations here in, a, in a Rehoboth Beach in, a, in Sussex County. You are with a brokerage, right? Sotheby's International. And mm -hmm. we've talked about this before because we've just gone independent. We're seeing a lot of that going on. I'm not going to ask you that question. That's your business. Um, but really what I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to set the tone for our listeners or our viewers is that, you know, Dustin's running this big, amazing team. How big is the team? Well, at this point, we have about 24, 25 agents uh, and about, you know, probably about 15 uh, key personnel and, um, you know. About two to one on the, on the personnel versus the agents. Yeah, we've, we've always been a little heavy there. <laughs> I mean, probably I, I tend to hire in, in advance of the need. I probably should pull back on that a little bit, but you know, we, we, we always, there's always that the drive to, to give great service. And there's, you know, there's always, you can feel it as you grow like, Oh man, we really need, you know, we just, if we only had a person that could do this, 
And then, and then once that's filled, then all of a sudden it, it, it expands and then you'll see the next evolution of what's really important. But, um, but yeah, we, uh, we, we've got a, we've got a, you know, probably about, you know, 35 to 40 of us working together. So you operate your team underneath a brokerage. So I assume everybody that's involved in your business is on the team structure. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And there are other, obviously other models there. What's that? Well, that's what we're kind of dealing with now that we've gone independent, right? Is, is okay, now we've got this team and now we have people that want to join the brokerage because now we're a brokerage. And so there's an interesting, you know, how do you conceptually do all of that? Some people say don't, some people say do. So I think we're always evolving and always learning. And I think that's the amazing thing. Like, you know, people would say, I'm sure in your marketplace, well, why do you go to coaching? And because people say that to me, so I know they say it to you. And it's because we're always growing and evolving and learning. And, and I think we're in an industry that is so ever-changing right now, and I know you're ahead of a lot of those changes that are coming. Share some of that with us, what you're kind of forecasting. That's a great, that's a great question. Thank you, John. Well, I, I think what we're seeing, you know, and I, we talked about being high service and the, the kind of the low ratio or, or high ratio of key personnel to, to agents. And, um, you know, over this past two years, there may be some, sometimes we've questioned that cause it doesn't lead, it, it obviously it eats at profitability. And so it's a, you know, we run a leaner business than our competitors and, and, um, and that's tough. But what I can tell you is that that high service model ultimately wins the heart of the consumer and we're seeing it and then sharing those experiences. So, uh, the next evolution right now that, that, and you're seeing it as well is, is the move towards, um, I think we're moving, I don't think, I think I know we are moving back to a relationship, um, based, uh, uh, selection of our agents and the relationships are being, uh, are, are being formed through social media. And so we went to a place with, uh, with SEO and with people looking through Google for their agents, and that still happens, and using Zillow as the conduit. But there's so much noise right now, and there's such a distillation through Zillow. There's only a few select players, and, and you and I are obviously you know, heavily invested in Zillow and those in the portals, which would be Zillow, truly realtor.com. <coughs> and that's still going to be a great channel. It's still going to be a great clearinghouse. But what what's happened with Zillow is we're going to see fewer and fewer um, high volume agents through that ha that can be selected through those platforms. But where everybody is having the conversation before they get to the portals and who they select, it's all happening on social. Um, you know, I think it's, it's probably even higher than this. But one out of every you know uh, five minutes on uh, on online is a is a Facebook minute. And so you figure twenty percent of the time people are on even older demographics. And so the place that people are finding and they're getting connected to your message early which should be a message and, and social proof from other people that you've worked with is coming through social media. And so, but as a part of that, people are looking for, and what I love, I mean, you're amazing and prolific in, in sharing your life. And what I think is great about this, people really get to see what an extraordinary human being you are. And, and if, if anybody's, you know, for those of you who are listening, John, you're really, your story is extraordinary and compelling. And I can't wait till it, uh, it is turned into a made for TV movie. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I, I, but made for TV is not even going to be a thing. I, I wait to just be made into a movie. Right. Um, so yeah, we're moving towards a world where, where people are going to be using technology as a part of their selection process. But what I see coming is a deeper relationship and a deeper connection through social media 
and those form the, the the formation of those relationships that are coming from a result of impressions. And it also gets back to to Gary V's. You know, we we're at Agent Twenty One and Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary V's um, kind of philosophy of document don't create, and and in documenting and kind of going back to you know my my three purposes of being a great father, a great husband, and a great business leader. You, you're just, there's, it's not complicated because when that part's in alignment, if you're documenting the things that are important to you in your life, that's naturally going to attract other people like you and they're going to know what you're about. I mean, isn't that really part of the relationship and selection process is, hey, who do I want to work with? Do I want to work with somebody who has high integrity? Do I want to, maybe I don't want to work with somebody who spends a lot of time with their kid. You know, <laughs> maybe I just want a grinder, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not for everybody. And I, I, and I think that's one of the mistakes that a lot of agents make is like, hey, oh, I want to be luxury. And like, oh, I want to do these high-end transactions, but that's not who you are. So, you know, why force that conversation, put yourself into an uncomfortable place where you're not in alignment and can't give great service? Be who you are and grow into the market that you want to be a part of, not to be intimidated by it, but we have to, you know, we have to go express ourselves into the world. And in order to be able to connect and to have an impact, you have to be in alignment with the people you work with. And so I, I think sharing who you are and, and, and being a part of that at social media, quote unquote, revolution and communicating who you are is, is incredibly important for the next phase because there's so much noise. Right. If you're not a part of that conversation, then, then how are people going to select you? And so um, that's what I see coming. It's another number if you're not a phase. Right. You're just another realtor if you're not a face. And I think the beauty of documenting essentially is the truth comes forward. Right. When you're creating. I, I, look, at you. I look at you. I mean, you know, um, I obviously I, I'm aware of your production, but you when you started doing your Facebook lives and I see you, you know, it's, it's at seven o'clock in the morning at, you know, at these events for committees. And I'm like I, and now I look I go, wow, look at what John is doing. I wouldn't know that, you know, from our, our, our light social, uh, you know. Um, you know, time together. I, we obviously we like each other. We have some commonality. I think what's year without Facebook. Right, right. Well, think about how you know how you know how what a what a friendship we have, and and uh, you know, I mean, we yeah, we don't talk on the phone you know weekly, you know, but I feel like you know you and I have a connection and a friendship that goes much deeper than that, and we get to know each other and still be a part of that, and I think we both feel. You know, we understand what's happening with each other to a great degree in, in a good, meaningful way through those those uh, so, social interactions on uh, social media. Well, and I think it's interesting because you talk about that, and that was some of the changes that Facebook made, right, was really putting in front of us who we connect with most. And there was a lot of him and ha about that. But if you think about it, it makes great sense. And, and for them to be able to recognize, okay, if I'm engaging with what you're putting out there, then I must like you. And, mm -hmm. and yes, it's kind of shrunk who's seen everything, but I, it goes back to what you said. If you're not luxury, don't try to be luxury. And if you're not John Wentworth and Dustin Oldfather's connection, don't, you know what I mean? Like it puts you in a place connecting with the people that you probably should be connecting with because of likes and interests. And I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. You, you mentioned a word noise. And I actually had this written down to talk to you about this. It was a little bit later, but you mentioned that word. And I think that um, everyone has noise, right? Whatever it may be. Um, the, the outside world, uh, other realtors, um, other, uh, it, it could be anything. It could be social media. There's a lot of noise on social media. There's a lot of noise from different coaches and, and everybody trying to sell you something. Um, for me, I've always been able to block that noise out. You know, I've, I, it's never been anything that 
I'm just not listening. I'm straightforward. I know what I need to do. I know how to do it. Maybe I don't know how to do it, but then I'll call Dustin for advice. But, but I know where I'm trying to go. And so what is something that you do? I mean, uh, I think being physical, being physically active, taking care of yourself, being engaged in your family helps block out that noise. But what are some of the other things that you do to just block that noise? Well, I, you, have to, you have to manage your, your energy. Um, and that managing your energy gets back to your health. It gets back to managing your sleep. Um, and then it gets back to having a defined schedule, uh, you know, and uh, that can be something that, you know, some people feel like could be too regimented, but you have to have a core, core structure and scaffolding for you. In my opinion, right. have a core scaffolding and structure for how your week is going to go because this business has so much, so many potential variables in it if you allow yourself to just be responsive to every next person that's calling or every time that something comes in, then the core, the core work never gets done. And what moves the needle is, you know, prospect list, negotiate, sell, save a deal. I mean, that's the kind of the original core. Of, of, what's that? You had to throw right. save the deal in there. <laughs> well, hey, cause yeah, like, Oh yeah, I'm too busy prospecting to save a deal. Are you serious? I mean, that's kind of a toss in, but, but it's high value work. So where do you spend the most time? And you have to build into your, stru your, your structure of your week, hey, where, you know, and to that point, where am I physically in a place that I can, can focus on the tasks that are most important to me? So, you know, um, Darren Hardy talks about batch days where you batch a whole day for a given task. So you stay focused on one thing and you have a very clear mandate for that day. So Monday for me is, is more of a organizational um, like philosophical leadership day where we have our team meeting, we have our coaching call, um, we'll have a group training on something that's, that is broad but relative to everybody. Tuesday is a, a prospecting day, connecting new clients, connecting new agents. Wednesday for me is more of a creative day where I have a, a block in the morning where I keep it open. I just find that, the, um, and, I, and I keep my appointments on Tuesday afternoon. Thursday is, is more is video creation for me, and then the afternoon is also for clients. And then Friday we have our marketing meeting, and then we get kind of deep into the weekly review. And then I may throw in a, an appointment on a Saturday if it's high value and it kind of matches my schedule. So I know that every week I have these very clear blocks. And so if, I, if our prospector sets a listing appointment for me, she's always going to try to set that on Tuesday or Thursday afternoon out of the gate. Whereas if you are kind of are leaving things open, you know, you talk about noise, if you kind of, you respond to, obviously we have to be responsive to our clients and we're going to shift those blocks around if it doesn't work. But if you have the choice and the client can work on your schedule, then you want to make that, um, make that the priority so that you can stay on track for the other things. Because as you know, if there's no prospecting, then there's no, there's nothing that's going to come out the other end. It's the, it's the proverbial roller coaster that a lot of agents will get on. You get, you know, two or three clients or, you know, or however many clients working, you're out showing property, you take a listing, you're doing listing and marketing, you're kind of up and down. Next thing you know, like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I prospect, you know, I got to work on this, right? And then you got to save the deal that you did and that you got out of the books for a few months ago. It's going sideways. And the next thing you know, you're on the roller coaster. A month later, you like, you have all this activity and it's exciting. And then of course it, it doesn't all come to fruition. And then you're back to where, oh, I got to go generate some business. And you got to go real hard and go connection. That's that roller coaster. What's that? That's that roller coaster. I think so many agents are, you know, they get on that roller coaster and it doesn't matter. You know, we want to say, well, you know, on, on our team, you're going to get so many leads that you'll be able to service and you won't be on the roller coaster, but they still end up on the roller coaster because they stopped doing the prospecting and they stopped mm -hmm. doing this, the little things that got them there. 
And, and that's hard. How do you manage that from a leadership standpoint to, you know, to, to encourage these agents, our agents that, you know, you know, it's funny because I think that what people really don't understand for team leaders is we want it for them probably sometimes more than they do. And, yes. and that, that, that hurts. Can frustration, right? Um, because we pour ourselves into people and sometimes they just don't want the same thing we want, but at the same time, how do we help them? How do we, how do we encourage them to do the little things that really none of us want to do, right? I mean, nobody wants to sit here and prospect for two hours. That's boring as shit. We want to go out and, and sell homes. I mean, that's what we're built to do, but we still have to have those fundamentals. And I think that's something that, you know, the, the, maybe the lead sources are a little bit of a hindrance to that also because there are so many leads coming in that it's like, yeah, I'm not going to call all those leads. I'm just going to take the bluebird off my shoulder and try to sell them a house. And so how do you manage that uh, from a leadership standpoint? Yeah. I, and it's, it's a, ch it's a challenge. Um, you know, people are always excited by the new because that's fresh, but you and I know that, you know, you got 10% of the people that you're, that communicate with you out of the gate are potentially going to transact in that, you know, 30 to 60 day window. And so the people that really, and you know, Sarita Dua did a, a, a did a, a, a great um, study on this. She took her her pre her prior database that was not being um, nurtured and and anyone taking any action on. She brought them to a a, a you know a secondary ISA who had a light script, and she compared the number of appointments that were created out of the you know out of the season database versus the new database. And the ratios were exactly the same. <laughs> so basically, you know, it was an appointment per hour um, relative to the time invested. And so it's a very simple equation, which is that you put in the time to connect with other people. And, I, you know, I'm more of a spiritual guy and I think about things, you know, kind of a little more uh, airy-fairy way. But I can, you know, I've just seen it happen so many times. You spend some time in the morning on prospecting and, hey, maybe you don't set an appointment. And then the afternoon you'll get a call from somebody that you know that you didn't have any connection to it's it's that trigger but how do you keep people you know engaged you have to keep people in alignment with what say what they say is important to them and um you know that's a that's a difficult thing to articulate okay well, you know if somebody is motivated and and they have financial pressure there's going to be a certain amount of force they put behind that to, to stay on track if somebody's in a different place where they don't have that financial pressure then why are you doing it? You know, um, and so it really becomes a, a a game of accountability, and I mean that for all of us. I mean, it happened to me too. I like this year we, you know, we had someone in a you know a sales manager recruiting role, and I didn't hold them accountable to, you know, our agent count, and um, kind of gave them a little too much uh, a, a little too much um, space, and in that we didn't meet the the goals that we wanted to. And so as a part of that, you know, I failed as a leader because I didn't hold him accountable and I didn't help him to, to cultivate. I mean, we did some things to, to help them get opportunities, but didn't have that steady drumbeat of accountability. And so we, all of us need accountability. That's me as a leader. That's you as a leader. Um, and uh, I'm sure you, you've had that experience as well where you say, hey, I wanted to do something and it's, you have this big goal and then you get off track or you drift. Drift is probably the best word. At the end of the day, we all need somebody external to be that, to, that we respect to be accountable to. And if you don't have that, then you're not going to be pulled or drawn to, to what's required to do it. And then after that, you have to have a plan. And basically, you got a plan and you got some accountability, you know, then you can pour yourself into the actions that should get you the results. And, uh, you know, I think it's something that we all struggle with as humans because there's the, the whole world of things to do every day and a lot of things to focus on. But if you don't know what's important to you or, 
kind of get back to your, you know, your, your purpose, then everything, every day is just an adventure. There's not any, you know, there's not any focus to it. So accountability and then public accountability, you know, you know, leaderboards. You know, when I, you know, when I get the sensor, I see that we're not performing as well. That makes me take a look at how things are going. You know, the 300, you look, hey, who's growing at what rates? Meaning not to say that we're not, you know, everybody's running their own race, but it's good. It's important to be reminded, you know, that, uh, that, that there's greater potential out there. And when you're kind of, you know, you're the, you're the lead horse and you're out in front by, you know, by, by, by you know, 20 lengths, what are you going to do? You know, it, it's hard to keep anybody. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> you know, lead horse. Yeah. I mean, when you're a thoroughbred and you're out in front, I mean, you're out, you're out pacing everybody. It, it, it's a little different. It's, it's also hard to keep that, that pressure on yourself. So um, uh, I think you, you have to have that. That personal excitement too. You know, Jordan Belfort, um, you know, a uh, polarizing guy, um, yeah, obviously, you know, a sorted um, experience, I mean, sorted uh, uh, event and how, how things went down. Everybody's seen Wolf of Wall Street, but he was talking recently about before he got to Wall Street. And he said, um, you know, that he, he was in his teens and he, he got this idea. He was going to go to the Jersey Shore. He's going to take this cooler of ice cream. He, went, he basically packed up, bought this cooler for like 15 bucks. And then he, uh, you know, he bought like $20 worth of ice cream. He just loaded it up and he drove, I think it was like an hour and a half to the, uh, to the Jersey Shore. He dragged the cooler out. And he said, you know, in that day he made like $150. And he said and at the time, that was about, that was what his parents would make in a month. And so he said, what did he do? He said, well, the next day he went back and he did, got one cooler, sold it out. He went back, he got another cooler and sold that out. And then he bought more, and then he bought more coolers. And so long story short, he then brought on some people to do the same thing. And so he got to the point where he was selling four coolers of ice cream a day. So you know, making four times what his parents would, would make in a month in, 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 in those days. And he continued to do it. And he said he brought friends to there. And he said, he said it was interesting. Most, most people that he brought would only sell one cooler a day. They would sell it. That would be enough for them. And then they would go away. He said there, occasionally there was someone who would do two or three coolers. So there are some people that have an internal drive that are going to outpace everybody. They're your thoroughbreds. And they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna run the race no matter who's watching. And they're going to do everything they can. Um, and that's one personality profile. And those people also need to, need to be with other thoroughbreds to run hard. And then you've got, you know, some people who don't need to run that hard. And that's okay, too. You know, we have to find a way to help people to be accountable. And, you know, one of the things that I've found is it's, it's also unfair to put the expectations of, you know, of, uh, of the top producers onto people who are, you know, more of a moderate producer. And you have to have a blend of that to have a successful organization. You love to have all, you know, all, all stallions, but what are you going to do? You know, you, that's not the way the world works. And if we're going to serve the public, we also have to make sure we have a complement of agents who are going to match with different personalities into the marketplace. That's, I think that's really an important point, right? It's, it, it's not all about trying to mold someone into who you want them to be. It's letting them be who they are because everybody just mm -hmm. like we, you and I have connected. There's other people at, at our coaching that maybe we haven't and they have with someone else. And I think it's the same thing with the people in our marketplace. Agents are going to connect with different people just based on personalities. And that's okay. I mean, I remember when, you know, when we were growing this, I'm like everyone's got to wear a suit and tie every day and shine your shoes. And you know what I mean? And now it's like, okay, I get it. You're a farmer. 
Like you were a farmer and now you're selling real estate. So I understand you're not going to be suit and tie, but he also has, you know, a great blend with a lot of people and does very well. And so, you know, that's one of the things we learn as we go, right? Is that we can't meet people who we want them to be. We've got to meet them where they're at. But at the same time, we've got to encourage and help with some accountability, I think is very important. Tell me a little bit about, you know, we, we talk about leadership and we talk about structure. Um, you've mentioned a lot of names since we've been on, right? Um, and, and what I know is that because you're ever learning, right? And so tell me a little bit about, you know, are you reading books? Are you podcast? Are you like, where, where do you take in all of this data? And by the way, I love your blocking. Like, I don't do that. Um, we're now going to do that for me because I get running too much and I get too hectic. Like I look at my schedule today. I'm like, Holy crap. None of that shit was there yesterday. Right. And that's causing a little bit of anarchy for me. So I love that idea. Um, but, but you know, why do you continue to absorb this knowledge? I mean, you're, how many transactions did you do last year? Personally? No, as a team, uh, as a whole. Uh, I think we did uh, 330, uh, you know, so a, a pretty good amount. You know, we've, I think we, we hit the real trends. I, we're not categorized correctly, but we're like number 38 in the country. Um, that doesn't, that's not on the team level, but, but yeah, so we're, we're, you know, you would say that we're one of the top teams in the country. Um, but yeah, so about 330 transactions. We'll, we'll outpace that this year. You know, we'll, we'll probably, you know, get closer to 400. I don't know if we're going to quite make it, but um, I'm okay with that. You know, we're, we're, we're all growing and we've had some change, you know, some, some changes and organizationally as you get bigger, there are other challenges and we're, we're working through those right now, but, um, you know, still having a great year. So, um, and forgive me, the, the question, John, was... Well, and even as well as you're doing, right? So to give them some perspective on, on you know, how many transactions you're doing, you're still co in coaching. You're still absorbing content from other people. Um, tell us a little bit about where you're getting that information and why you're choosing those avenues. Yeah, so to kind of get back to the, 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 my weekly schedule. So, you know, part of that, you know, I talked about my purpose. Well, I set up a reminder every morning um, that sends me that out of the gate and, you know, kind of my, my core mission statement to be a great father and to impact others and to help others to express, you know, their talents into the world. Um, that's something I get, you know, I have sent to me at four o'clock and then I'll see it on the way as I go in in the morning. So I usually lead, uh, you know, with a, with a bulletproof coffee to try to get the brain haze off, um, some, you know, some, uh, some supplements, uh, and then I will read for a little bit. I'll get to a core prop, a core project in the morning. So I like to have that between four thirty and five o'clock. You talk about noise. There's absolutely no noise at that point in the morning. Granted, there's different you know, circumstances for us. We have young children, and so the only way to, to get that, that, that super silent time that's also where your mind is encumbered is to start before everybody. And so I like to take that time in the morning to, to get a, a light read in, activate the mind, activate the, uh, the body. We go to CrossFit after that. And, uh, and then I work in that solid, you know, it's, I, I wish it were longer, but usually it ends up being about 30 or 45 minutes in the morning on a core project and that gives you so much focus your mind is completely clear and, and powerful and so then on the way to the crossfit i have some motivational videos that i'll, I'll listen to um, and then it's a combination of things you know uh, i do um i like to sprinkle in uh you know different motivational opportunities and then obviously we have our coaches and then uh, working through our friends and, um, and, uh, and mastermind partners. And you know, we all consider each other friends and mentors. And obviously, you're in that category for me. And 
uh, someone who I really admire as a, as, a, as a person as well as a businessman. And, um, and so it's a combination. You're, you're constantly bathing in whatever, uh, whatever channel works for you. You know, reading is such a, an amazing, activating um, uh, activity, but not everybody is for that. I mean, Gary Vee doesn't read any books, you know, and of course, you know, he's got a certain style. You have to find, if you're not passionate about anything, then you're not going to be too excited to indulge in the learning process. But if you're excited about what you're doing, then you're, you're finding whatever channels and ways that you can to improve. And uh, for, for me, I think it's a combination. You know, could you have a little bit of time, you know? Um, to, you know, to, to, to absorb or to explore a few videos, you know, David Goggins or, or Gary Vaynerchuk, or to, to, I love the Goalcast podcast, um, you know, uh, you know, Donald Miller, you know, uh, story brand, where can you continue to kind of follow your appetites? Meaning that, you know, I like to read a couple books at a time, you know, that that's kind of, uh, uh, I won't say frowned upon, but it's a different approach than some people. Um, sometimes like you get into a channel with a book and it just, it's just not happening and you like, you toss aside, but if you can kind of chunk it where your energy is excited about the topic, you're kind of pulling in these things. And after you get your core base of knowledge, you know, you, you can start to assimilate and then to round out, you, you know, your philosophy and your activities that go along with that. Well, I, I don't read anything. I've read three books in my life. I mean, I've just never been into reading, but you did say sure. something. Finally, when you're when you're tuned into something and you're passionate about something in the moment, that's the time to grab the book. I mean, you know, I read Old Yeller because I had to in school. I read mm -hmm. Care and Training of the Trotter and Pacer because I was trying to train racehorses when I've never touched one in my life. Um, and so I read that book. That thing's huge, by the way. Sounds like that worked out pretty well for you. Uh, it worked out very good. And then when I got into real estate, I read the, the Keller Williams book. I don't know what the hell it's called. One million, million dollar realtor or something like that. Mm -hmm. But in those times, because I was so passionate about what I was doing, I was willing to read those things. Right. But I just, for me, I just, I can read and I don't even remember what, what I read after I walk away from it. So I just, I, it's not a way for me to absorb. And so I've gone to some of these audio books and that's a little bit better for me, but I still find it extremely boring. I need interaction with people. That's how I learned, and I learned through just hands-on. And I think, you know, you started to mention this. It's important to know who we are and to know how we learn. And, and I think that helps block out noise, right? Um, you know, when people say, oh, you got to read this, you got to read this. We, you know, we go to coaching, Tom Ferry, shout out, love it. Um, but, you know, read this book, read this book. I'm like, screw those books. I can't freaking read them. I don't retain information that way. I just need to live it and have experiences with people. So I think it's important for, for us as people to understand how we absorb things, how we learn, and really how we communicate back and forth with people in general. Yeah, and just to follow that up, it's, you know, it's run your own race. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you get to, there are all these metrics like, oh, you should be reading this many books. And, and you kind of mentioned like, oh, maybe you feel like you're sharing that you feel like you have, you wish that you had maybe invested more time in that. Well, if that's not for you, then don't feel guilty about it. You know, like it, go out and, and explore the world on your terms and learn the way that, that works for you and then go apply it. And, and, and don't be, I mean, I don't think anybody should apologize for learning on their own terms, but you know, I think because of the way the school systems have been set up, and I think that is going to, I think that's going to change dramatically over the next decade and it should. Um, but you know, where everything's a, a, a kind of a pass or fail, um, you know, uh, you know, yes or no, you're either right or you're wrong environment. And that's not really what the world is. It's a, it's a world of testing. It's a world of experimentation. And I think what's beautiful about this, this next place that our, 
that our world is going to is that, it, that there's a lot more freedom to make mistakes. There's a lot more freedom to explore. And, you know, learning and growing is, is a part of the human experience. And that's when we feel, you know, I think most of us feel most alive when you're growing into whatever it is that you, you envision is, is what you want to do. And when you're in alignment and you're doing those things, whether it's you know, listening to a podcast, whether it's spending time with friends, whether it's you and I, you know, having this conversation right now, if it's in alignment with what, with what you want to do, then it's enriching. And so what, whatever, whatever, whatever works for you, I think everybody has to find it on their own terms. And, and that's something I've been embracing recently. Just run your own race, whether it's, you know, in your health, whether it's in your finances, whether it's, you know, in your, in your business or your life follow your spirit because you know, there's, there's no question that we all have an intrinsic um, drive and expectation for what we are supposed to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's a beautiful place to just kind of say to, to maybe newer agents, uh, maybe agents that are now thinking about building their team or building their, you know, their brand. You know, I think that for, for me and, and I know a lot of us in our coaching, it happened organically out of need, right? It wasn't, because it was cool and trendy. You know, it wasn't, hey, I'm going to build a team because it's cool, right? I, I, um, people always say, well, how did you end up with the term John Wentworth Group? And I suppose it's the only freaking website I could get with my name in it, right? right. <laughs> There's no, it had to be johnwentworthgroup.com. That's the only one you could get. But then all of a sudden, I know other agents in the marketplace, group, group, group. And, and when I see that, I'm okay with that. I don't mind that by any means. All, I, all it goes back to is, you know, we, we, we have to, I think, somehow be able to be confident in what we're doing, in who we are. And that goes back to the truth. And if you're living in the truth, that's a whole lot easier. You know, and people always say, well, who's your biggest competition? Me, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say to all, and, you know, anybody new in the marketplace, new realtors, again, trying to grow, you're your biggest competition. It's not the guy next door. And, and I think we, that's part of that noise, though, people get caught up in is worrying about what the flip everyone else is doing instead of just focusing and doing, right? Because I think action at the end of the day is the most important thing we can do is just take action. And, and sometimes that action might be the wrong thing, but unless you experience that and go through that, you'll never know. And I just get so many, I see so many people, even people on our team, you know, they get, oh, I, I'm afraid to go live on Facebook. Well, you look just like that shit when you walk down the street. So what does it matter? And I think people are, they, they just paralyze themselves with thinking rather than taking action. Well, yeah. We're, I mean, you were there, uh, where were we, where we did our first fake Facebook lives. Was that uh, Charleston? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of us were wet in our pants. That was yeah, pretty intense. And so that is one of those fear uh, factors. I think a lot of us need to get through and it also get, it goes back to motivation and, Hey, if, if that, I mean, that's something I think a lot of us were uncomfortable with. And I think you embraced it, you embraced it more than anybody. Like you were, I mean, after that, you're like, it's like you say, like, you know, once you know what to do, you just, you just, you just run. And I think it's amazing. And, uh, you know, there, there's something also behind, you know, maybe in the periphery here, which is the culture that you're around and the people that you're around that allow that environment to happen. I think that's, you know, certainly I can, you know, I can attest to, to seeing your growth and, and, and the environment that you've created for people um, to grow and giving them that opportunity. And you mentioned the Facebook Live thing. Well, you know, that's something where if you were an individual agent, you would feel, you know, maybe a little sheepish and like, you know, I mean, probably for the amount of sharing that you and I do online, you know, I've got comments like, oh, I could never do that. Well, you also have to I know what the purpose is behind it, but also be an environment where people feel like, they're encouraging you because you understand what the end goal is, which is connection. And if you're willing to, you know, if you understand, you know, what the medium does 
And then you've got a supporting group, which is to say, oh, yeah, that was terrible. You know, I, got, I had an agent that, that posted a picture of uh, drinking wine and, and uh, having cereal. And I was like, I don't know if that's the right message. Um, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? You know, she did it and she took a chance and she put herself out there. I mean, it was kind of like it was actually kind of a funny thing because it was after work. Um, so she was like, it was kind of like one of her wind down things. You know? But I was like, let's make sure they know what time that is, right? <laughs> you know, wine, the wine and cereal for breakfast, you know, not so, uh, not such a good message. Maybe wine and cereal for, you know, before bed, that's a little different conversation. Um, you know, but, but that environment that you've created and, and the person I know you are that encourages people, you know, I think is, is what so many people are looking for. And it's, it's part of your, your genius and your grace. Uh, well, and I think it goes back to you as well. I think that, you know, as leaders, I think that we've got to lead from the heart. You know, I think that too often people think about numbers and you've got to lead from the heart. Um, and I think you have to do everything from the heart. And, and in this market, you know, there's a lot of new agents coming in and there's a lot of ego. And, you know, people say, what about that person? What about that person? I say, time's, time's a beautiful thing because it, time will sort through people very, very quickly, right? And, you know, I think to sustain you know, it goes back to, you know, when you talked earlier about the service level, and I think the service, the integrity, um, those things are what are sustainable. Um, numbers aren't sustainable. Uh, leading with, with passion, leading from your heart, that is sustainable. I think that's, uh, you know, one of the things that makes you great, makes who you who you are, is that to be able to have a conversation with you at any point in your life, I know that it's always transparent, it's always real, and I just very much appreciate you for that. I love you, I love your wife, and uh, thank you so much for being on. Uh, give me one thing, you've got agents watching or listening that want to make more money, right? And they think, oh, I need more leads. Or they think, oh, I, you know, what about this? People skipping brokerages from, you know, from red, white, and blue to red, white to black and yellow. Like, and I always say to them, that shit doesn't matter where you go. Right, right. So you, you cost yourself, you know, uh, anytime you move, you're going to have, you know, at least a three to six month lag. You got to recast everything. I think maybe what's nice where people get excited, you know, feel like that's a, that's a, an option or they think that that might be the solution is, um, is because, you know, it's a it's a, an opportunity to kind of, um, it's an opportunity to redefine yourself and there's but, merit in that. And at the same time, it's not going to change, it's not going to change the results. No. Yeah. The, what, what you need to, what anybody needs to do. And it, it's so funny, you know, uh, coach Carl, what he used to say is he said, you know, if you haven't set an appointment and you have an appointment block at two o'clock, you should go home. And I was like, well, that's interesting. He said, because you need to remind yourself what, you know, what you're doing. He said, otherwise you'll just spend time doing things. The only thing that matters, or I mean, you know, with integrity at the end of the day, the metrics that are going to tell you what your output is going to be are going to be the number of appointments you have and the number of contracts you've written. And the only way to get those, those appointments is to have relationships. And I think that's what you've highlighted, which is really important. And what kind of what you said in there is, is you know, the, the question behind the question is, you know, not um, it, it, am I going to be better at another brokerage? You're not going to change and you're going to set yourself back. But when you get to your, your, your core um, activities, the most important thing is to go deeper. I think that's like part of your, I mean, you, part of something really magical and special about you is how deep you get with people so quickly. And it's not a, it's not an act. It's, it's it completely comes from the heart. And if everybody did that, if everybody took the time to go deep 
and not worry about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, but to go deeper and to really give deeper, more comprehensive, more thoughtful service than all the other, then it doesn't matter where you work. And, and as you said, independent or, you know, with a, with an amazing, you know, uh, national brokerage, it, it doesn't matter. When you take somebody who, who has that um, depth of relationship, you can move them anywhere. You know, I'm, you know, you had success with your prior brokerage and you're having success as an independent. You, you could move back to another brokerage and you would still have the same success because of who you are and who your activities are. So for somebody who's thinking about moving, yeah, there are some times where the culture doesn't fit, you know, and you could be maybe um, quickened or revitalized in a new culture. But know that you're going to set yourself back. It's going to cost you money and it's going to cost you time. And you might make the wrong decision. Yeah. You know, the devil, you know, I mean, you know, those, those challenges could be, could be even harder. But if there's a message for all of us, and I think you hear it through philosophically from Gary Vee, and you see it from, you know, your experience. And we know, um, you know, with our experience in real estate, is to go deeper. Go deeper in service. Go deeper in service with your seller clients. Go deeper in service with your buyer clients. And when that happens, that is what's extraordinary in the current, more superficial world. You know, instead of somebody who's just trying to do, get a quick deal or to kind of work on the next thing and not nurturing their clients, people who go deeper and are, are doing that work are the ones who are going to serve the market better. At the end of the day, whoever serves the market better is going to, you know, quote unquote win. And winning is really giving great service and helping somebody to get where they want to go. Do they want to buy a home or do they want to sell a home? And how do you get them through that process with thoughtfulness, with a process, and at the end of the day, that's about connection. So you heard it right there, guys. Go deeper. I think it's beautiful. You know, and that comes from the first time the phone rings. Quit trying to tell them or sell them. Go deeper. Who are they? You know, what does it matter to them? You know, I'll say to people, so I want to move there. Why? Right. Tell me why. Tell me more. Where are you moving from? You know what I mean? Like, I don't give a shit about the house. Tell me about you. And I think that's what it's all about is going deeper. Um, I want to thank Dustin so much for being on. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, Thoroughbredpodcast.com. You can check this out. You can find us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Uh, in addition, check out uh, the 5 a.m. club with our man, Sharon Shrivatsa. Uh, also, Dustin is on quite often, so you can hear more from Dustin there. Uh, fabulous man, fabulous leader. I love you, brother. Thank you. God bless you. you. Uh, God bless your family. Oh,